Hello there. This is Eric Sinrod from Dwayne Morris. I'm joined with by my colleague Jonathan Armstrong at Quartery. This is now our 151st podcast going strong. Um, Jonathan, we forget many things as we get older, but the one thing I think you're remembering today is some considerations uh, relating to uh, the right to be forgotten. So perhaps you can enlighten us on that, and I know you also want to talk about the recent Schrems case. Uh, yes, I do. Yeah, thanks very much, uh, Eric. Jonathan Armstrong here from Cordry in London. And um, yeah, the, the, the news at the moment in London is again this right to be forgotten coming round again. So you might remember that the right to be forgotten is part of a package of measures in the new proposed EU data uh, protection regulation, which is getting closer to being enacted, but isn't there yet. But judges preempted this statutory right by a judge-made right to be forgotten last year, which applies really only to search engines, not to the original sources of information. And there has been much controversy over this right to be forgotten, which has been fueled in the last week or so by Neil McIntosh, the managing editor of the BBC, publishing a list of stories that Google had told him had been delisted by Google. So it's important to stress that the original stories haven't been removed, so they still exist on the BBC website, but Google no longer links to those stories. Now, it's also important to remember that we don't know who asked for these stories to be removed. But some of these stories concern criminal activity. And it seems to me that from a public policy point of view, we ought to know about some of these stories. And it's interesting, it would be interesting to know who is seeking to remove them. So to give you two or three examples, Eric, the first uh, that caught my eye was the first convictions, uh, first criminal convictions for, from the Financial Services Authority for insider trading. They're against a solicitor and his father-in-law. What happened in this case was that the solicitor was head of legal at a company that was uh, to be acquired by Motorola. He told his father-in-law that his company was being taken over, and together it seemed they played the stock exchange in what was clearly a one-way bet. They invested in shares and split a profit of some £50,000 between them. The solicitor was sentenced to eight months in prison. He appealed and lost his appeal. And strangely, two stories relating to that case seem to have been delisted by Google after somebody made a right-to-be-forgotten request. I should stress we don't know whether it's the solicitor or not. A second case concerned uh, Joyty Delory. It was quite a well-known case over here in the UK where a PA to a Goldman Sachs banker stole more than three million pounds sterling from the banker and her husband. Again, we don't know who asked for that story to be removed, but that's another victim of this uh, right-to-be-forgotten process. And just to give you an example, a third was a London-based uh, woman, and what she did is she stole from at least two individuals um, after administrating the Rohypnol date rape drug. 
So it seems that uh, what her modus operandi was is that she would go to a, a high-class hotel, she would chat to people at the bar, and then she'd administer the drug. In one case, a man said how he woke up in his uh, flat with his clothes missing, his shoes missing, an Omega watch and a Tiffany alarm clock. And in another case, a, a film director met the woman in a nightclub. He woke up partially undressed with no Rolex. Um, the police were particularly concerned about this case when she was convicted because apparently the drug is one that there's a relatively common allergic reaction to, which causes death. Um, now, this also seems to be uh, to, to concern me in two ways. Firstly, um, if those individuals who the story was about, and I stress that's an if, um, if their intention was to remove knowledge of what had happened, then perhaps they haven't done a great job. We've talked about the Streisand effect before and how it can often just highlight the original story. But the second one, it seems to me, is very challenging uh, from a public policy point of view. You know, if I'm about to employ a lawyer as my uh, head of legal, my in-house head of legal, presumably I'm entitled to know whether he's been convicted of insider trading or not. Equally, if this is a way in which, and I'm not being sexist about that, I think the same applies uh, for men administering date rape drugs to women, certainly. And, um, but we ought to know about this modus of operandi and the fact that people fall victim to these attacks. And, and, and I do have worries that the right to be forgotten is being uh, used wrongly in this case. As I say, I think um, the public um, also have a right to remember, and they have a right to remember when people have stolen three million pounds or have uh, breached the trust of their shareholders or have committed what could have been uh, very serious crimes against individuals. Um, so that was the first thing that I wanted to mention, and maybe I'll turn it over to you in a minute. But the other thing, just to mention very briefly, just by way of an update, really, is we've talked uh, quite a lot over the years about this Schrems litigation, this class action against Facebook in Austria, just to note in passing that the, um, that the first hurdle seems not to have been jumped. Uh, the court recently gave a judgment in Austria where they declined jurisdiction and said that Mr. Schrems and his cohort of perhaps 25,000 plaintiffs should seek justice in Ireland, where Facebook's international HQ is, or uh, over your way in California and go along to uh, Facebook's HQ and bring the litigation there. So two topics, and I invite you to comment on either or both of them, Eric. <laughs> You're so generous. Um, I think I'll just take up the first topic if that's acceptable to you. And, and thank you for everything you said. Uh, very interesting stuff. On the right to be forgotten, I think it's easy at first blush to think, you know, if there were some useful indiscretions in someone's life, you know, perhaps they should be able to walk away from them eventually and they should be able to redefine themselves. And why should you always be, you know, haunted, you know, by the ghosts from your past? And once upon a time, you know, let's just say it was you or I, Jonathan, in our juvenile teens, you know, we did something 
that you know would be fueled by our teenage hormones at the time and we behave mm-hmm. badly, say, at a party or otherwise, that would be the end of it usually. Maybe there would be a little bit of lore and stories among friends, but that would be that. Of course, now teenagers, for example, will go to parties and everybody has a smartphone and photos and videos are taken and bad behavior at one event you know, theoretically can live on forever for the entire world to see, even later on in life when you're a mature adult and you don't behave that way anymore. That's a relatively easy example, right? But mm. on the other hand, and there always is that other hand, and I think you pointed out correctly, you know, maybe there really is a right to remember and a right to know uh, because people might need to be on notice that someone is capable of very bad behavior. Say someone has had a violent past, you know, or have been guilty of insider trading, or, you know, the list goes on and on. You know, shouldn't the public or someone who might be uh, involved with that person later be entitled to know and to evaluate on their own whether they want to deal with that person? And another thought about that is, you know, someone's history, you know, maybe they don't like the fact their history might follow them, but you can rebuild your history. And let's just say, for example, even in your young professional life, you had had some indiscretion. If you then build a body of work over decades, mm-hmm. that's all going to show up too in the online world. And if somebody were to search you and check you out, there might be one blemish, but there might be so many other good works that show up. It reminds me of, of Yelp reviews, for example. You, know, yeah. you might look, look you're thinking of going to a restaurant and there's one bad review. One patron had a bad experience at the restaurant, and there are 350 good reviews. That's okay. In some ways, it almost gives it legitimacy. It looks like yeah. you know, they, it looks like the results or your life story are not, are not completely padded. So, as I'm thinking this through, I'm becoming a little bit more convinced of the right to remember, uh, and I've actually evolved in my thinking in that way. Um, I know someone here in the United States who really wished there was a right to be forgotten, and that's Mr. Bill Cosby. Um, Mm -hmm. And you talk about, you know, date rape drugs. I mean, Mm. the news has just come out this week that apparently in a deposition some years back, Mr. Cosby admitted to having administered quaaludes to women who he then ended up having sexual relations with and perhaps not voluntarily on their part. Um, And apparently the reason also he's not facing criminal prosecution right now is because the statute statutes of limitation have run, but a number of women have come out of the woodwork accusing him of this. And of course, he built up a lifetime reputation uh, publicly that was extremely positive. And now this is coming out and it's completely tainting um, his reputation that he had built. And you know, one would think that there should be a right to remember in this context because other people dealing with him, especially women, might need to be on notice, and I, you know, I, I'm regretting to have to bring up this example because it's a very sad story here in the States. I mean, he's otherwise been a very remarkable man, but he's had this tremendous problem, apparently, that's really victimized uh, women. So mm. fairly sobering there. I don't have much to add on the Shrems case. I'm, I'm glad sad you... Uh, cases, sad cases make bad law. Yeah, I guess. Discuss. <laughs> Anyway, so we're looking forward to the Wimbledon finals. That's a, a cheery note, right? Um, yes. And, and uh, that's taking place on your soil, a wonderful event that you're hosting. So thank you for doing that, Jonathan. 
My pleasure, my pleasure. I was up this morning very early with the uh, lawnmower. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Okay, well, listen, this has been our 151st uh, Tech Law 10. Uh, we certainly enjoy bringing these to you, so continue to follow along. Uh, invite others to join, provide comments and ideas. You can reach us on the usual social media outlets, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, you can email me at ejsinrod at duanemorris.com. And all that remains is for me to volley the ball back over to, uh, to Jonathan to close out the match. Well, <laughs> thanks very much. I'll try not to hit the net. Uh, Jonathan.Armstrong at CordryCompliance.com. Thanks very much for listening. Do engage on this on other topics on LinkedIn. We know that people have different views on the right to be forgotten. It would be really interesting to hear them. And all that remains is to thank you for listening and uh, to look forward to welcoming you again here next time we speak. Thanks again. Cheers. Bye now. Cheers. Uh, uh, uh.